expecting 30 minutes service and it's we're here now so amen let's just bow our hearts for a few moments and we'll begin to change the order of the service amen do you believe once again and I'm not just trying to ask this question out of tradition but do you believe once again that God can meet your need tonight now I know that he's met needs this morning I felt his presence he touched my heart and I know that he's touched yours but perhaps there's another thing that we can get tonight something else that we can draw from from the well tonight. I mean, that's why we're here, right? I, I don't, don't think that this is just something to pass the time to get to the communion, but there's something else that God has for me. So I want to just lift my hand personally and say, Lord, I want to be, I want to be an antenna. I want to receive your word in my heart. Amen. Heavenly Fathers, we come before you. Lord, we just know this evening, Lord, that you have something else for those that are here. Father, I know this is not normal for their, their, their schedule and time and by natural things, Lord, maybe we're, we're somewhere already in bed or maybe someone's just, whatever they're doing. So we have now stopped time completely from our normal life and we find ourselves back in this place in, their, in your presence. So Lord, I believe that you have something for them. Lord, I want to step out of the way and ask that you would just deal directly to every heart. And God, that it would go in and it would be a change, Father. And Lord, if there'd be something, again, I, I think it's some, something that should be said every time. If someone needs the baptism of the Holy Spirit, may they find that. Lord, a refreshing, Lord, whatever it may be, let, let us be open for that tonight. We ask that you would just move in a special way once again. We, get, we just give you praise, honor, and glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to do something different. I usually sing slow songs, but I, was, I figured you, you guys are on kind of food coma now. So uh, how many is uh, ready for work tomorrow? <laughs> Great answer. How many is on their way to heaven? 
And, and you know, no matter what Satan tries to do, he can't stop what God's doing already. Amen. So we're just going to sing this song we sing at home. Perhaps you know it if you would sing it with me. Well, I'm on my way to heaven and I'm so glad. Now, if I see your face and you just don't have that same zeal, I might have to come down there and, and pull you up here and sing with me. Well, I'm on my way to heaven and I'm so, you know, I'm on my way to heaven and I'm so glad I'm on my way to heaven and I'm so glad, you know, the devil can do me no harm. Sing it again now. Well, I'm on my way to heaven and I'm so are you glad? Yes, I'm on my way to heaven, and I'm so glad. I'm on my way to heaven, and I'm so glad. You know the devil can't do me no harm. Well, I remember the day that I found Oh, 
of what God can do for you. The devil can't stop that. If, you, if you're carnal tonight, you say, well, I've got this problem, I've got that problem, and you're thinking, well, it's, but let me just tell you, that's called life. The devil cannot stop what God's already doing. Amen. I'll never forget the day uh, we had Brother Ron Spencer here a few years back at our church and the first night of service that we were having in our anniversary meetings. And it was my first time, I believe it was, to actually invite a minister. So it's kind of the burdens on me. And, you know, I, I, I guess I'm just different. I was a pastor that was scared to death. I was just like, his Brother Ron Spencer and what's going on? You know, is this power of God is going to move. And then all of a sudden we had this big blow up in the church. Something happened, and somebody got mad, and somebody walked on out. I know y'all never have that, so just, you know, nobody ever gets angry. And I'm just sitting there, and I just, it's all over my face, and we're sitting in the office there, and Brother Ron's sitting there, and he just looks at me and says, don't you worry, buddy. He said, the devil didn't start this train, and this train ain't stopping. Hallelujah. I'll say glory be to God to that. Amen. Well... I know you've been standing, so there's a reason for you standing, but you'll be sitting shortly. Turn your Bibles, if you wouldn't mind, with me to the book of Joshua, chapter 24. This is a thought that the Lord laid, laid upon my heart, um, actually a couple years ago, and then just recently, again, just brought it back to my attention, and I haven't been able to get away from it this week, so uh, we trust that it will be something for a few moments. I've been given 20 minutes, so I need Brother Derek to time me. Brother Derek Paris, I've been told you your 20 minutes is what I need. So, but I trust that tonight, uh, what we what we feel on our heart will uh, get to the need of the situation. Now, this is very common. Joshua 24:14. So we read this together. It says, "Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood." And in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But, listen, this is more than just a, a picture on a wall. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, I'm just going to quickly read Psalms 121 1 and 2. It says, I will lift mine eyes unto the hills, from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. I mean, God bless you, you can be seated. As we, as we dive into this uh, quickly, and we, we understand the time, we want to be honorable of that. The road demands that you're on this, this evening, the road that you are on demands a decision. It demands a decision. Now, what you heard this morning from Brother Tim, that wasn't Brother Tim bringing forth something to you that he's demanding a decision from you. If Brother Aaron or Brother Joe or Brother Timothy was ministering, uh, Brother Branham could be ministering. And they are not making you or demanding a decision from you. But God, every single time we listen to a tape, every single time we come to the house of God and we hear the words uh, uh, ministered from this pulpit or wherever you go, you are brought forth to a question. 
a, a chance or a crossroads. Now we understand many times of life that we all come to specific crossroads. And a lot of times we look at crossroads decisions of whether it's going to be uh, my career decision or marriage decision or whatever it may be. And a lot of times we tend to focus too much on those types of things instead of the, the most important eternal decision. But I want us to understand tonight as our, as our thought is entitled, The Road Ahead Demands It. The road ahead demands a decision. We must have a personal experience that solidifies our purpose. Now, I, I, I'm just going to be honest with you tonight. I, okay. You ever just been stopped in the middle of your job? That's perfect. See, it's got to be right. Thank you, brother. The road ahead demands it. I love it. So I was sitting there this morning, and a lot of the things that God had been dealing with me, Brother Tim was, was just line for line speaking. I was like, God, how in the world, what are, what are you trying to do? And if I could speak to my church this, the, tonight and, and tell them that it's not just us speaking to you that you have a decision, but every church you go to, every individual, every young person, we have to make a decision. Matthew 16, 13 through 16, you, you, you know the scripture here, but let's just read it together. It's, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, let's just stop for a minute and understand that the first question that Jesus asked had no value. Is a pretty non-life-threatening question. It invoked no authority, no authority over your life, nothing. Whom do men say that I am? When Jesus asked the question, so if I wanted to go to ask Brother Joe, Brother Joe, what, what does Timothy say about serving the Lord? Well, Brother Joe, well, this is it. Y'all all know how his answer would be, right? You can just see Brother Joe answer. If I went to Brother Aaron, I said, well, what does Brother Tim believe? He could tell me. Brother Tim believes this and this. It, it has no pressure. It is no, there's no heart in it. There's no authority in it. It's, do you, uh, uh, you know, what does your church believe? Well, my church believes this. Well, my pastor believes this. Well, we believe God sent a prophet, and we put everything off on what the prophet said, or we put everything on off what Brother Tim says, and we put everything on off. But Jesus didn't stop with that type of question. He says, there, if, if this question is how it ended, there was no need to respond with, a, with your heart. There's no need to respond with your actions to commit yourself. I wonder if that's what religion has become. Because we're all looking at everyone else and not ourselves. If Jesus would have stopped there, maybe that wouldn't have been important in the scripture. But I want you to know that the road ahead demands a decision. What you're about to go through, Peter, what you're about to face, you need to know who I am. You see, so as, so as long as the question of the identity of Jesus is discussed at the level of intellect or at the level of academics, there is no claim on your heart. You see, that's why I don't like to get in debates on Facebook. I don't, want to get, I don't even want to get in a debate at McDonald's. It because it becomes an intellectual debate of my opinion of the word or how I think it should be. But I want it to come from my heart. I want it to be a heartfelt thing. 
You see, there was no claim on the heart in the first question. There was no claim on the life because men say that you're this way. Well, Brother Tim believes this. Well, Brother Ron believes this. Well, Brother Jeremy believes this. But what do you believe tonight? Because what you're going to go through, if you don't make a decision in your life, you are not going to make it. The road ahead demands a heartfelt decision. The one who formed us together in our mother's wombs will not be satisfied with a place in the conversation of critics. He wants to be more than a debate. He wants to be more than a, come on, a message theology. He wants to be more than this is my interpretation of the word. He doesn't want to be just a part of academics, but he wants to be a part of your heart. He's not going to be satisfied. He will always lay claim in your heart. So if I ask you the question, what does this person believe? It makes no personal pressure on you. That's why Jesus didn't end there. He said, but who do you say that I am? And now the question is thrown to you. Who do you say that I am? Well, you're a God of miracles. And we begin to think of everybody else's miracles. Oh, you're a God that can open the blinded eyes, but we we look at everybody else. But what is God to you tonight? Because you've got to know who he is, because what you're about to go through, you need to have a personal experience. Moses, you cannot make, uh, you cannot go to Egypt with what you had before. You've got to have a backside of the desert experience. You need to have a come to Jesus moment. Because what you're about to go through, oh, Brother Jeremy, I've already been through it. I've already had these trials. I've already had these tests. Everything's already falling apart. The car ain't going to start. I've had this cancer. I've had this disease. I've had that disease. But what you're about to go through, you need to know who Jesus is. I'm afraid if we're not careful, it's becoming more, it's becoming more of a religious thing. And Jesus said, I don't want to know what you say everyone else says. I don't want you to tell me what your church believes. I want to know what you believe. See, but if I ask you what you believe, now it's on your heart. Now the pressure's on you. See, John 13, 34 says, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall part men know. All men. Are you all with me? All men know that ye are my disciples if ye loved one another. This is intriguing because it says all men. This is not an undercover relationship. This is not, well, you know, I can't go to Walmart today because someone might look at me and they might, they might not like the way I dress. Uh, I, you know, the, my Facebook is, has nothing to do with, with Christ. Or, uh, you know, it's all good when everybody's here together and we all look the same and act the same. But when you get separated and you're on your own, who do you say that Jesus is? You see, it's not up to just the ministry to encourage somebody to keep pressing on because you never know when you're at Walmart and somebody's in need of a touch of God. Will you be one that is recognizing that Jesus has called to use you? The road ahead demands a decision tonight. Communion is more than just an ordinance. It demands a decision Baptism is more than an ordinance, but it demands a decision, a life-changing decision, something that is more than just, a, 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 the, the, just water on skin or something more than drinking of the wine, something more than eating of the bread, but it's a life-changing decision. This is a central question, one that Jesus posed many times and in many ways, many times and many ways. 
How many times did people come? You even look at the rich young ruler, I believe. Good master, what must I do to be saved? I ministered this here recently. A lot of times our, our relationship with Christ has to do with, uh, we tie it into the natural way of life because we in our humanity, we are doers. We have needs. We go to jobs to meet the needs, right? We, we, uh, we go to birthdays. We go to uh, get-togethers. We have fellowship. We support our family. We are doers, we go to the church, we say, uh, what can I do to help? It becomes something that we do. We fulfill a need. But Jesus is wanting to look for more than just doers. Now follow me, I know the Bible speaks of doers, but he's looking for somebody more than is just doing it because there's a natural need. It, let's see, if your marriage is based upon not to be burned, your marriage is not right. Come on, you know the scripture. And if you, you know, rather than burn, might as well get married. Come on, if you, hello folks, so y'all know the scripture. I have just given you a Bible study tonight. Find it. But let's just be honest, if that's all our relationship is, that's not relationship. That's a based on need and it doesn't work. And if that's the way church has become, well, I'm going to be a church because I don't want to burn. That's not relationship. Jesus is looking not for just doers, but people that have a heart and a hunger and a desire and a thirst. God, I want more than just to take communion tonight. But this is the bread. This is the wine. This is my desire. The road ahead demands it, church. You've got to look at it. It's more than just religion. You see, Saul answering the question became Paul, the self-proclaimed slave of Christ. Stephen answering the question of who Jesus was by being filled with the Holy Spirit and preached the most passionate sermon in history before being stoned to death while pleading the forgiveness of his murderers. You tell me somebody that knew the road ahead and it did not just come by a theological sermon or an academic sermon or a mental sermon, but it came by a sermon that was preached with heart and desire that it doesn't matter what anyone says to me doesn't matter what anyone says against me I will pray for them while he was being stoned he was praying for them the road requires a decision young people the road requires a decision parents the decision is eternal and one that will make and some have made already I know that some don't believe in final calls, but I do. So just bear with me for a minute. I'm sorry, Brother Tim, but that's, I believe in it. You say, why do you believe in that? Because I've been a part of them. You say, why would you say you're sorry, Brother Tim? Because I don't know. I just felt like saying that. <laughs> Brother Tim, have you ever seen it before? God calling people for one last time. You see, we in our humanity, we don't like finality. Finality is hard to understand. We always feel like there's a chance. We feel this time there's a chance. I got no, no, no problem with that understanding because we don't want to give up, right? But we have a hard time with finality, but I want you to understand that there is a line. I don't want to come close to that line. But I've seen him growing up in the church. I, I, I've been a part of a church of my grandfather. As we were raised up, we were raised up on the baptism of the Holy Ghost. 
We were raised upon the gifts being active in the church, but being filled with the Holy Spirit, letting the word be opened in your life, and you have to make a decision. Because just saying God sent a prophet was not enough for you. You had to believe that God sent a prophet, absolutely, but you needed to do what the prophet said. He said, be born again. What did he do? He was pointing us back to the word of God. So there were many times that I would see God as a young person, as a child, dealing with people in the church and dealing. I grew up with, with, with friends of mine that we stayed the night together. We were friends. We, we, uh, we, we were always there with one another, and they heard the same sermon that I heard. They were under the same anointing preaching that I heard. They heard the same tongues. They were a part of the same shouting. They were a part of the same revealed word of God. And some are so far away from God today, have cursed God. See, so what does that do to you? That makes me humble. How in the world could I be in the position I'm in today? You see, I fought pornography. I fought suicide. I fought all of these things. But until I got the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I kept fighting them. Until you get the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you're always going to keep fighting and you're always going to keep trying. And the more you try, the more tired you're going to get. And the more you try, the more, the more sleep you're going to lose at night. You want to know the real peace? The real peace is complete surrender to God, to be honest with one another, that we're all in this battle together and that we're not here to do it alone. And God wants you to surrender to completely to him because the road you are on demands it. Well, Brother Jeremy, it can't get any worse. Don't say it. I got to get back to this. This is not a question asked by your typical everyday rabbi. Even the question itself makes a statement. There is something much more important about me than what they say. Oh, my. There is something much more important wrapped up in my identity than most people realize. You see, it's more than just coming to church and looking the part and acting the part. I want more than just a shout. I want the God of the shout. I want more than just to, uh, just to run around the church. I want the God of that. Okay, I got to testify. So I'm sitting over there, you know, and I know my church is going on. And I'd been talking with Brother JR, who ministered for me this morning. We speaking of our burdens this morning. He was in tears and just God just been dealing. And so been, been on my heart today. So I'm sitting over there, and all of a sudden I started getting some texts from, from people in the church, and God began to move, and he exploded in the church. And, and I got a text from my mom. She said, your son, your oldest son, he shouted and ran around the church and was praising God. Now, some of you might be, oh, what's the big deal? But let me just tell you something about my son, my oldest. He's like me. We don't want to be in front of people. We don't want to do anything in front of people, and it's got to be God for it to happen. I'm going to go back a little bit further. I'm going to talk about just, I'm going to talk about this. Here last year, as a pastor, God has used me at times, and it's, 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 maybe to some it's easy, but to me it's not, that when I know God is calling somebody, and I know that it's a serious call, it could be a decision that, they, that they're fixing to have to make. It could, be, it could be their final call. Sometimes I don't know, but I know that it's a very serious need. And most of the time that I've seen it happen, most of the time if they did not make the right decision, they were out of church within a certain amount of time. And that's not so much just calling their name. It's just God calling. I've got nothing wrong with that. That's happened in our church before. 
So one of the services I was, that I was in and the, the power of God was moving through the place and uh, uh, many people were, were surrendering to God, but there was, this, there was this catch. Somebody wasn't breaking through. And, and, and at first, you know, as ministers, we, 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 we wait on the Lord. Lord, how far do you want me to go? Because we can't push it into action. We heard that this morning. We can't do it. So we have to wait on the Lord. Lord, what do you want us to do? And I was praying and we were singing and I, I just, I had everyone bow their heads and, and uh, I just said, you know who you are. God is calling you to be honest. He's calling you to lift your hand and to say that I know I need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I know I need a change and no hands went up. Brother Aaron, you've probably been in a situation before. My heart was just tearing inside because they're my people, they're my sheep and I want them to be free. And so I said, God, in my heart, I said, God, would you reveal it to me? And when God revealed it to me, he said, it's your son. All right, what am I going to do now? Because now in my heart, I know that my oldest boy has to make a decision. And that me as a daddy has to keep going. I can't stop now. And I know that if my son doesn't make the decision, that this could be the greatest decision of his life. That if he doesn't surrender to God, this could be the moment where he walks out. And I began to beg God, Brother Tim, in my heart. I said, God, give him one more chance. I had everyone bow their heads. I said, Lord, I, give him one more chance. But I know I've got to do this because this is my calling. Daddy has to step aside now. I said, now you know who you are. And nobody open your eyes. But the one person that God is calling, and I'm looking right at my son, the one person that God is calling, I want you to open your eyes and look right at me. And he opened his eyes and looked right at me. As soon as he seen me in his eyes, he melted immediately. And I said, now, you have gone this far. Now you can't, this is not an undercover decision. I said, now everybody lift your hands and, or lift your eyes. And I said, now, you know who you are. You have to make a conscious decision. I want God more than what anyone else in this church thinks. And at that moment, my son lifted up his hands and he just began to cry out to God. Oh, I'm going to tell you, as a pastor, yes, that's great. But as a daddy, that meant everything to me. And I'll never forget it, Brother Tim. I go over there to lay my hands on my son to pray for him. And as I went to lay my hands on him, the spirit moved from me to Brother J.R. And Brother J.R. took over the prayer. And God allowed me to take it in as a father. I took it in as a father. And I prayed for him as a daddy. And then as soon as he was done, God moved the spirit back upon me. And others began to give their life to God. I want to tell you that that moment was a decision decision for him because what he was about to go through he needed to know who Jesus was more than what daddy said more than what mama said more than what the prophet said he needed to know who he was for himself hallelujah and I grew up hearing my grandpa say this and I, uh, maybe brother Branham said it but I always heard my grandpa say that I believe it was this statement is that there's no God has no grandchildren say, what do you mean by that? That means my grandpa didn't give me any special favors. He pulled me from the drums when I did things that I shouldn't do. He told me, you got to get right. I can't have that spirit on my platform. You need to be sold out to God. You need to live right. 
You see, I didn't do this because I wanted to do it. We don't do this because we want to do it. If you do it because you want to do it, you're going to fall away. There's got to be a pull inside of you. There's got to be a deep calling to the deep to know that there's a deep out there to respond. I want to know more than just a dead letter. I want it to be alive in me because what I'm about to go through, I need to know who Jesus is. I need to know him personally. I need to know him more personally than I do my own wife. I need to know him more personally than I do my own husband, as you would say. I need to know him more personally than that because you never know when your spouse will be taken from you. You'll never know when your spouse will walk away. But do you know who Jesus is? Hallelujah. Who do you say he is tonight? Do you know him as the way? Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. It cannot be. Well, this is what the pastor believes. What if what's going to happen when the pastor dies? What are you going to say then? Well, it's what the prophet said. Well, he died. What are you going to do now? I know, I know the Spirit's moving on, but I'm trying to tell you. I'm trying to bring this out. All right. Speaking of Ananias of Paul, or speaking to Ananias of Paul in Acts 9, 15. It says, but the Lord said unto him, go that way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he is going to do for the kingdom. Now, what does it say here? I will show him how great things he must suffer. Oh, so, so you're in the message. So are, are, do you really want to be a part of this scripture? Because Paul, what you're about to go through... The decisions you're going to have to make, you're going to have to have an experience, Paul. Moses, you're going to have to have an experience before you go to Egypt for what you're about to face. Peter, you're going to have to just come to more of a position than just saying, I know who you are. You're going to have to get me inside of you. You're going to have to have an upper room. Oh, I just wish they would stop preaching on the Holy Ghost. Oh, I just been every day, every time they preach, it's on the Holy Ghost and I'm just getting weary of it. Well, get it. Get the Holy Ghost. I'm going to tell you what. It's the greatest thing that will ever happen to you because you're going to finally stop fighting. You might not understand that statement yet, but when you get the Holy Ghost, it'll be a revelation to you because the road ahead demands a decision. The life, the trials ahead demand a decision. The sicknesses that you're going to go through. And there's testimonies here tonight that are sitting before me who have went through some strong battles. You've seen death. You've seen heart, uh, heartache. You've seen disease. You've seen horrible things. You've had people curse your name. You've, had, you've seen people curse this message. But you're still here. Why are you still here? It's not because of one sermon that was preached. It's not because of how good you did. It's because you let go and let God. Amen. Brother Branham says, says, say 500 years from tonight. He said, this little group that's sitting here will be somewhere. That's right. And wherever, wherever we are then, we'll, we'll be where we'll have to spend eternity and tonight it may be a decision time and the last time that some of us will have to make our decision I, but brother jeremy there's always a chance i don't want to take away hope tonight 
can you allow me to just preach for a minute? I believe that as long as there's breath in anyone's body, there's hope, right? We've seen prodigals come in. My, the testimonies are great and wonderful. But we've got to get, we've got to, I believe that Satan to some has put this, this uh, blanket over people where there's always a chance. I can go out and do these things and come back. But I want you to understand that that's not always the case. The Bible is not filled with thousands and thousands of prodigals. It's not filled with thousands and thousands of people coming back. It's filled with people that came to church and said, what must I do to be saved? Came to an altar, pray for me. I want to be right. But walked out sorrowful because it was too much of a task to let go. And we're coming to the end of all time. Do you not know the season that we're in? I know you do because you're well taught here. The end of the Gentile dispensation, we're at the time of the open book. We're at the time of the, the revealed word of God. It's, it's, it's beyond restoration, if you would allow me to say that. It's been restored and now revealed. And what does the Bible tell us? We come to a point that anyone that is filthy, let them be filthy still. Somewhere along the way, somewhere, the door shuts. Can I ask you a question? Did, did Noah close the door? Who closed the door? Well, Brother Tim, he's just preaching too hard. Brother Aaron, he's just too hard. I could go down the line of all you wonderful ministers, but I'm for sake of time. Oh, they're just too hard. They just tear it up. They're not the one that shuts the door. But some of you don't understand the squeeze that's in the heart of a preacher. The feeling, the burden that God gives a ministry that, that it, I'm thankful that it doesn't always, that's not always there. Because you want to do everything you can to get the attention of the people. To let them know that you do not know. Well, I can live the rest of my life. Listen, I'm not talking about natural death. I'm talking about spiritual too. The road that you're about to go through demands a decision. You're going to go home. You're going to go back to your jobs. What decision did you make today? Well, I made the right decision. We'll see what happens. It's got to be more than flesh. Each age had its choice. Can you say amen? Well, if I, if I read the Bible correctly, we're, we're past all those first six, right? right? Yes. So that means that their decision's already done made. The sevens, right? How, long, how much longer do we have? How much longer do you have to make a decision? Each age had a decision, and there's consequences that go with each decision. And you have to make a decision in your life. And what is that decision? It's not about decision. You know what consequences are. You buy the wrong thing, what's the consequence? It didn't work. So what do you do? Take it back. Get your money back. It's not how church works. Something doesn't come out the way we want it, we take it back. Give it to goodwill, whatever it may be. No big deal. No sweat off our back. But what about the eternal decision that you made on a Wednesday night of when we didn't think it really mattered because it was only a Wednesday night. It was the same minister. 
It's a Sunday morning. It was the same minister. We've heard the same word. He's going to preach about the coming of the Lord. He's going to preach about the bride. He's going to preach about the Holy Ghost. What's the big deal? Those words that are coming out of his mouth are the words of life. That's God demanding a decision from you. Well, I know, Brother Tim, or, you know, I, I could say probably all of your family, but I don't know. He's my family. He's my friend. Doesn't matter. Brother Tim, when it comes, or any minister, it's not about how we feel about you. It's about God. And when the word is being brought forth, it's not Brother Tim demanding you a decision. It's the word that's demanding a decision. Oh, but we don't need that anymore because we have so much message under our belt. We have so much knowledge that nobody can out-preach my thoughts. Nobody can out-preach my dedication. I am more dedicated. I am more, uh, I have more knowledge. Nobody can outdo it. Even you, Brother Tim. I'm going to use you. You're going to have to really study hard to outwit me. You know, there's a group of people that left under a sacrificial blood. And they're all dead. Well, we're Israel. Glory, hallelujah. We've seen the, the, the waters part. We've seen all of these wonderful miracles. We're out of Egypt and they are all dead. Only two made it across. See, I think that as, I'm not trying to discourage you tonight, but we're leading up to this portion of communion. I think that it should be serious as it demands a decision tonight. The road demands an elect to catch a difference. This hour demands a body, an elect few to not just look at the book. Oh, that's a good book. But we have to take the book. And then it's, we have to eat the book. And it, when you eat this word, just allow me to go this direction, please. When you eat this word, it's going to do something to you. It's going to affect your life. If you come up here and you say you received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and there's no change in your life, you didn't eat the book. There's too many anointing junkies. But I'm not here to just be having anointing. I want to eat the book, and it's going to change me. It's going to cut away things in my life. It's going to be circumcision. Oh, Brother Tim, preach circumcision. Oh, Brother Tim, Timothy, preach circumcision. Preach the word of God. Why? Because my soul depends on it. It depends on it. What is the evidence of the Holy Ghost? It's not how high, as we heard this morning, you can jump. What did Brother Branham say it was? He said, as if you... It's receiving the word of truth for the day in which you live. See, Jesus never did, he said, Jesus never did stress the importance of works as he did the word. He knew that if people got the word, the word, the works would follow. You see, if I stopped there, then I could have ended it with like most people do. Well, I guess that means we don't have to have works. I guess that means we don't have to have a shout and service. We don't have to get emotional. Well, okay, moving on. Now, Jesus knew there was going to be a terrible drift away from the word in the Pergamon church age, and which was at yet 200 years off of the Patmos vision. He knew the drift would cause them to go into the dark ages. He knew that the way men originally got away from God was by first 
leaving the word. If you leave the word, church, you've left God. I'm going to skip down to this. Man, this, 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 this just blessed my heart. I wonder if we are sufficiently impressed with the word in our midst. What do you mean by that, what do you mean by brother? What do you mean by that, brother Jeremy? I wonder if we are impressed with the word of God that is being preached. If you say, oh, I, I am impressed, then why are we looking for other things? Why are we trying to fill it with other things of the world? Why are we trying to fill it with our ideas? It becomes idolatry to put our ideas over the things of God. And even the chosen uh, uh, tribes of Israel too were blotted out because of idolatry. Leaders of idolatry. I, I can't remember the tribe right now, but one of the tribes, Brother Joe, even made it to their promised land. But because they were surrounded by the enemy, they lost faith in the word and left their promise and made their city somewhere else. How many of us have made it to the promised land? I'm going to remind you that you are going to be surrounded. The enemy doesn't want you to have it. Why do you think you're fighting so hard? Why do you think that addiction is fighting you so hard? Why do you think the world is pulling at you so hard? Because you're at the moment of breakthrough. There's nothing like a pastor knowing when someone's at the moment of breakthrough, but they let their past hold them back. They don't know that that decision, that moment demands a decision. Are you sufficiently impressed with the word? Oh, little bride tonight, do you know the power that you have in your hand? Well, what do you mean, what power? What a time it is to actually be able to overcome. To not let the root of bitterness rule our life. That bitterness is a big thing in churches. It's a big thing in families. Bitterness, and we all have a right to have it. We all have a right, Brother Joe, to have bitterness. Because somebody done me wrong somewhere along the way. And yet Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. Stephen preached with the greatest sermon in his life as he was dying by the stones of his haters. And yet bitterness rules our life. Here's a great quote I like from Smith Wigglesworth, and we're coming to a close for this portion. Is that it is an insult to ask God for power after you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to say it again. It's an insult to ask God for power after you've received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Why? Because you have power. You just have to act. The power of God was placed in you. Healing was already placed in you. You remember the man that went to Brother Branham and he said, oh, this brother couldn't do anything for me. This brother couldn't do anything for me. So I came to you. He said, you've done it all wrong. You've come to the wrong place. I can't do anything for you. You've got to find Christ. You say, well, if Brother Branham was here, it'd make it all right. No, go to Christ. Well, if Brother Tim would have shaken my hand. No, go to Christ. Find Christ. Because the road demands us to act. Choose you today was it, was it brought forth. Who do you say that he is? Can you take up your cross and follow him? Can you forsake all? Because behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man hear my voice 
How many actually are hearing his voice that aren't opening the door? I'm not talking about you, but it's a sad thing that's out there. You ever just been in a crowd of people and nobody that you could see around you believed the message or knew of it? You ever just been surrounded by it? I tell you, one of the biggest places to be surrounded by it is, at least for me, where I'm always surrounded by crowds, is at the, at the parks in Florida. In fact, I found myself there here last year and standing there in this line of people, and I said, oh, God, does anybody here, where, where are they standing? Where are they, where are they at? What did it do? It makes us humble. How could God choose someone like me? Listen, I don't deserve to be behind this pulpit. I have done things in my life that I'm ashamed of. Who hasn't? I've spit in his face. Who hasn't? But it's by the grace of God that he called us. And he, and he placed in front of me a decision. I had to stand at the altar one day. And I had to come to a place in my life where I didn't care, it didn't care to me what my fellow friends thought. It didn't care to me what anyone said. I wanted to surrender to God. I didn't care how embarrassing it was. I was willing to do what I had to do. Again, some people don't believe in it, but this is one of the things that I was going through. And I remember one of the services that I was a part of, and we were singing the song, Blood-Bought Church. Man, that's a powerful song. And I'll never forget it. I was like 12, 13 years old, and we were actually doing a, a church march. And I had never broke free, never broke loose. I was too ashamed. I was nervous. I, I was always caring about what other people thought. And I will never forget that, that moment when God came upon me, and in my heart, he said, you run. How many of you ever felt that before? You run. Well, what, 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 but what will people say? Yeah. And she's singing the song, Blood Bought Church. Hey, I was a part of the march, man. That's good enough. I got out of my pew. I was marching around the church with everybody. I was with the crowd. It's easy to do it when everyone else is. But when God tells you to do something that no one else is doing, are you all in? Uh-huh. And all of a sudden, it left, Brother Tim. It left me, and it was like my life was over. I felt like I had, I was on my road to hell. You say, over not running around the church? You're an idiot. I'm telling you how I felt. I felt like I had crossed the line. And that song was going, and it didn't mean anything to me anymore. The only thing it was, I said, God, bring the desire back to me. Bring the desire. Ask me one more time, Lord, and I promise you, because I just didn't want to do it now. I wanted the same feeling. I wanted the same pull. How many remembers it when you said, God, bring the pull back? I'm tired of just going to church. I'm tired of just singing the same old songs. Bring the same pull back. I begged God, God, bring it back. Bring the pull back. And I'll never forget it. Oh, and we are. And right at that moment, the pull came, and I was gone. Boy, I thought I was flying. I literally did. There, I, there was no one around me. That's the way I felt. I was in the presence of God. Oh, Brother Jeremy, you'd never had battles since then. Buddy, I had them worse. Satan fought. He, he did everything he could. But one, one blessing leads to another blessing. One prayer leads to another prayer. One, one desire leads to another desire. I want more of God. But I asked them to put this up here tonight. Sister Jessica, get ready. I asked them to put this up tonight for one reason. I'm going to ask you a question, and I want you to be 100% honest with yourself. Do you trust me? I'm not asking about me. 
You know what that signifies. Do you trust me? Bow your heads, please. The hand of God, Jesus, is reaching out to you tonight. Do you trust me? Do you trust me at this moment? Do you know who I am? Do you know the battle that you're fixing to go through, the decision that you're going to have to make? It's going to demand a decision tonight. It's got to be more than just communion service. It's got to be more than just uh, going through a line and doing it. I've seen leukemia healed coming through a communion service. I've seen Holy Ghost filled people or a Holy Ghost fall on people coming in a communion line. Why? Because they were placed before a decision. You could say, well, I'm not unworthy for communion tonight. I shouldn't even be here. Well, then you've got to get your life right. It demands a decision. What you see before you, this do in remembrance of me is not just some ordinance we pass by, but it's our life. Do you trust me? Do you trust me enough to stand up and speak my name and know who I am? Can you take me by the hand? Come on, get your religious blankets off for a moment. Can you take my hand? Come on, Rebecca, can you come into the tent? Get off your camel. Come into the tent. We need to go behind the veil tonight. Do you trust him enough to? Do you trust him to speak the name of Jesus in your life, over your family, over all of these things? Or are you just satisfied with religion? Because I'm going to tell you, religion's only going to take you so far, and you're going to miss out. Don't miss out tonight. Please don't look at just me. But I'm begging you under the unction of the Holy Spirit, do you trust me? I stand before you tonight arms open wide, willing to take you in, willing to wipe away all of that junk, willing to wipe away all of the past, willing to wipe away all that religion and give you a new life. But do you trust me? I know you've come up here before, but I don't want to make it out of religion tonight, but I'm going to tell you what, I want, if you feel the unction of the Holy Spirit, I want you to just come and stand and say, God, I trust you. I'm going to step out. Please don't do it. This is not just some believism thing. God may ask you to do something. But I've asked our sister to sing this. And I want it to be your heart. Let's start, sister. Do you trust me tonight? Do you trust me? Over every heart and every mind. What you're about to go through demands a decision. It's got to be more than religion. Because I know there is peace within your presence. I speak Jesus. He's walking down the aisles of our hearts now. And I just want to speak the name of Jesus. Till every dark addiction starts to break. It can happen right now. Right now. Declaring there is hope. Who wants hope to declare it? And there is Will freedom. there be someone in the house tonight to declare freedom? I speak Do you trust Jesus, Jesus enough right now to declare that freedom? I'm not going back to that religion anymore. What does his name mean to you, church? Your name is power. It's got to be more than a song. Your name is Jesus. This is my God. Your name is He's my Savior. He's my Deliverer. He's my Healer. 
He's your lover. Break it tonight, Lord. Shine through the shadows. Shine through it, Lord. Burn like a fire. Can you let him burn out those things in your life? Come on, Moses. You needed to make a decision. You got to meet God. And I just want to speak the name of oh, Jesus. Church. Speak the name tonight. Over fear and all anxiety. Oh, Satan has nothing over this. God's in control. To every soul held captive by depression. I speak it. I speak Jesus. Come on, somebody speak it. Some young person step out of that anxiety. Shout Jesus. Oh my. Come on, Satan, you have lost this war. Shout Jesus. Jesus. I lift my eyes into the hills. Where does my help come from? Jesus in the darkness. Over every enemy. I speak Jesus for my family. standing next to your best friend but this is personal Timothy this is personal because he's my God I'm no longer bound I'm no longer in chains this is personal listen I can hold on to his hand right now and know that he'll lead me I may have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death but I'll fear no evil for thou art with me I'm not afraid anymore why 
because there's a power in his name. And there's also a sweetness and a peace that comes over your life when you just say, I trust you, Lord. Okay, I'm going to ask, can you say it? Do you mean it? I trust you, Lord. I trust you, Lord. I trust you, Lord. <laughs> oh, I trust you, Lord. I don't know what I got to go through, but I trust you, Lord. I trust you. You called me out of darkness into your marvelous light. This do in remembrance of me. This is what tonight's about. This is sacred. This is, this is his presence. We're going to do it one more time. Your name is power. And I want it to be different. I'm serious. I want it to be different. This is personal. Your name, Lord. It's not his name is power for him or for Brother Aaron or for Brother Timothy or Brother Tim. His name is power for me. When you walk out of this church tonight, you have a power. You don't need to ask for it anymore. Act upon it. Satan comes and he strikes your mind. Act upon the power that was given to you through the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Would you sing it one more time, sister? We'll turn it to our brother here shortly. Your name is power. Come on, one last time. Your name is It's right here. Your, your name it's up to you Testify tonight.
him a moment while we're in his presence now amen Lord Jesus we love you thank you for your goodness father I love you Lord from the depths of my heart Lord I thank you for dealing with hearts and lives I thank you that we've made our decision and there's no turning back but Lord we are pressing on never to go back again oh God you've done some cleansing I preached today about the parasites the fungi that wants to hang on to our lives Lord by the working of the Holy Spirit you have dealt individually Lord with where they've let things go some complex some some thoughts some some way that wasn't pleasing to you some little bitterness that they've held on to or whatever it could have been lord today they're free they're free to serve the living god they can walk out of here unburdened unfettered serving god with all of their hearts loving you like you want to be loved as you said once 
It's not rules and regulations I want. It's not a bunch of laws that I want you to keep. I just want you to love me with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your being. Lord, I've made my decision. My decision is I accept you as my healer, my savior, my king, and my God. Lord, my testimony is not secondhand. It's firsthand. Lord, it's not about what others believe. It's about what I believe. You changed me in your presence. You made me into a son of God. I can never be the devil's child. I never was, never will be. You called me. You ordained me. And I want to thank you for your grace, Lord, upon our lives tonight. Realize, Lord, you did it for me. You can do it for others. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, keep me near the cross. There, I pray, just found free to all a healing stream flows from Calvary's mouth. In the cross, in the cross, be my glory
I am redeemed, been bought with the price. Let's just worship the Lord a moment. I am redeemed, bought with a price. Jesus has changed my whole life. And if anybody asks you just who I am, tell them, tell them that I am redeemed. Sing it again now from your heart now. This is what God did for me. Amen. This is who I am. Jesus has changed my life. Turn around to your neighbor, shake their hands and say, I'm redeemed. 